Hi, my name is Hallie. I'll be your host today. And this podcast is called Returning to the Earth. Basically an ode to knowing that one day we will die and our bodies will decompose in the earth, but our soul and our spirit will continue to dance. And so here we are. I continue to make podcast episodes, but I don't always publish them for reasons that I just have judgment towards myself and I continue to speak about this because I just get really caught up and and I never used to be so caught up in what others think, but for some reason I've been going to therapy and learning a lot about myself and a lot of things have been coming up and so whenever I make a podcast, a lot of things tend to come up for me. So this has definitely been a form of shadow work where social media in general is a form of shadow work or like dark night of the soul where basically you're confronted with your fears and triggers from your past. And it's really, really an interesting predicament to be face on with basically this is a digital diary of mine. All my social media platforms are. And I really, really get hesitant with being so vulnerable and not so callous on the internet. And not just showing up with highlight reels, but more of the raw honesty of my shattered heart that is, it's shattered, but it's more like the Japanese philosophy where they build plates back up um, with gold paint um, that has actual flakes of gold in it from my understanding. And so it's taking something broken and it's mending it with something highly valuable. Um, and that's what a broken heart is. It does not mean that you are broken. It means it's it's a beautiful art form to put your heart back together. And that's where I am in life. Um, I know a lot of people after they get hurt, and I've been there and I've done that, where I would get hurt and I would immediately shut down and say, I will not be this vulnerable ever again with anybody. I'll be more protective of my heart. Every single time that you try to close your heart off, you have to relearn the lesson until you show to the universe that you are cracked fucking open and you are a portal for love. Um, and that's something that I'm learning every single goddamn day. Every single day, I feel like, oh, I, you know, I want to come on here. And I feel like every week I sit down and make a podcast episode and it goes something like this. All right, guys, I learned something new this week. I learned this thing about me. I had to set a boundary. It didn't go that well. <laughs> I swear to God, it's like this every single week where I set, I set a boundary or I learned something new about myself or I'm like, I'm lost again, or I think I know where I'm going, or I think I know what I'm planning for the next you know few months of my life, or I don't like feeling lost, I don't know what the answer is, you know, things like this or that. It's the same thing. But the thing is, you're never going to have the answers. Today is all that you have. And it, it drives me crazy when I try to live this way, but a lot of people in my life don't. Where... They're like, no, I have tomorrow. You don't want to push it off till tomorrow. And I do it with like chores and things I don't want to do. But when it comes to living, I want to go on an adventure tomorrow. I want to go on an adventure tonight if you were to ask me. You know, things like that. Um, We only live today. We really only know the answers today. And I, I go on social media and I get really, really discouraged where I'll sit down and I'm like, okay, I need to plan out the next six months so I can find the aesthetic to help fit in there so I can make my goal board so I can see the visualizations of that so I can write and script down so I can go find a job that will make it suitable for connections that help bring in money and the universe is literally like girl that's creating a goddamn cog for yourself in the system that is trying to have control over every single detail that goes into your dreams that's not your dream If you try to control every goddamn aspect, the universe is not seeing gratitude there. It's seeing control. 
gratitude is going with the flow. And I have tried. When I explain this to people, they often don't understand because they're like, well, I've had to go out of my way to get what I want in life. And yes, I have to go out of my way to get what I want too. But first, it's finding the seeds. As soon as you can find the seed, then you can work for what you want. But if you're not looking for the seeds, you are going against the flow of what the universe is already providing for you right there. It's like in Mario Kart when you're trying to hit the um, the little question mark boxy things to get you superpowers. It's the same thing. You're trying your best to find the seeds, to hit the seeds, for that to crack open and to create a tree in front of you of knowledge. Um, I'm very metaphorical right now. I'm goddamn loving it. So yeah. Um, and so every single job that I've had basically has found its way to me. I've tried, I've tried to go out of my way to find a job for me. Even right now, I've been like job searching out the wazoo. I have opportunities right now of doing odd jobs, but I want a job that has a schedule for me so that I can... Making your own schedule is kind of hard, especially with a person that has ADHD. Like I... I simply, I thought that I could make my own schedule and so I felt six months ago, I was like, I'm never going to work a job where somebody else makes a schedule for me and I've always quit every single job that that's how it was like and now I'm like, I need a job that makes a schedule for me because if not, I just end up sitting in my room, spinning around in circles over past trauma, reopening things up, you know, um, judging myself for not doing better through social media, um, you know, judging myself that I'm not doing enough in life in general, and knowing that I don't have a community right now, and I feel t- fucking terrible about it, and so I have to have some kind of routine. My body feels safest in a routine, and neurodivergency does as well, um, and so I'm job searching, I'm job searching, and I've gone out of my way to get all these job opportunities but none of them have fallen into play one of them did out of the other four places that i've applied to um or more like six places um one place got back to me it was like a dream position but i went out of my way to get it i got it and then as soon as i got it something did not feel good about getting that job and so i was like well and i'm trying to also i'm in the middle of trying to understand my intuition and following that and the more that you follow it even if it doesn't make sense the more and stronger it will be also is not for the logical analytical mind if you know what i'm talking about you know what i'm talking about you can't just think your way through things you have to feel your gut and your heart has just as big brain receptors as your literal brain it's scientifically proven and i've heard this over and over by other psychologists that are in the more holistic field or in more of somatic healing or mdmr or attachment theory when you just go to talk therapy as well you're not you're just reopening wounds you need to move through things you need to go back in your childhood and find out what exactly triggered you when somebody says that thing that absolutely makes you go feral or ballistic or you know gun-ho you know and so here we are um and so, finally, uh, I stopped and I kind of surrendered to the universe and I was like, I am done. Like, I can't job search anymore. It's either I get these jobs or I don't know what I'm going to do because constantly applying and not getting the position is very discouraging. And I'm like, the universe, I have surrendered before and you have been more than grateful to give me an opportunity. And everybody wants me to do all these things, but the one thing I know I need to do is just surrender. So I surrendered. 
and I already know about this job opportunity, but I never applied because it discouraged me. And then my dad reminded me of it and then my mom reminded me of it. And that was my rule of three is if I hear about it three times within that day, week, month, I it's for me. And so I applied, literally got the job the next day. So here we are. Um, this is the job that found me. I didn't go out of my way. There's a family connection involved. And so, or family friend connection. And so if you pick up on the acorns for your summer I mean for your um, fall and winter harvest and hibernation you will realize what is there in all the abundance that you simply have Um, it's it's beautiful so that was the main gist of this beginning podcast Um, I put a little bit on my Instagram um, reels excuse me some things that I'm learning as a recovering people pleaser. One thing is some people will be an absolute fucking asshole to you for no goddamn reason. You could be the kindest, you know, most generous person ever. And there will be, there will be an absolute asshole in the corner picking fun at you, making you feel bad about yourself. And you could ask why, why, why? And you won't find any answers. The one thing you just got to realize is people are mean and angry towards you because you are showing them a reflection of their trauma. I I was trying to say childhood trauma. So it has nothing to do with you. It has to, unless somebody is literally gaslighting you, that's a little bit different. Um, But people get angry and irritable at you because you're showing an unhealed version of themselves to you. Everybody's a mirror for one another. And so when somebody is just mean to you, it's because... You are showing them something that they want so badly not to see that you were just representative of. And that doesn't mean you have to change a goddamn thing about yourself. You are amazing. You are doing a beautiful job. You are triggering them. And that means you're triggering healing in them if they are wanting to open up. Um, Another thing is realizing as I get older is not every relationship is going to stick. I have spent the past six months losing so many friendships after I have finally learned to set boundaries. And now that I'm setting boundaries, people that aren't used to me setting boundaries will look at me and they'll be uncomfortable and they say, well, I no longer want to have a friendship with you. And I'm like, oh, so now I see. I was easy to pick fun at. And it's not 100%. That's not always the reason why. But they saw me as somebody that they could push around a little bit. And so as soon as I set a boundary, they're like, I don't want to be friends with you anymore. I swear to God, this happened for people within um, 10 days has happened with in the past week. And I finally set some boundaries and I talked about some things that made me upset within some connections that I had with people. And it was just losing people after one another. And I was just like okay, universe, I see you, you know, that I deserve better. I know that I deserve better. It doesn't make the other person wrong or bad. It just means they have their own lessons to learn. And I no longer am wanting to be a part of their process. I no longer need to be. I served my purpose. I learned, I loved, I mourned, I grieved, I moved on, and I'm giving them the space for healing now if they choose to see it as such. Um, but it's not my job to heal anybody. And that's the other thing as a people pleaser, I feel the need to set with people and to heal them. And I was in this connection or I just saw something on TikTok and it's saying, do not give somebody a tissue when they cry unless they ask for it. And I was in a connection with somebody 
which is really, really interesting because I had these two connections back to back. The first connection, they triggered me in a way that I wanted to be held when I cried. I've never ever been held when I cried and they finally held me when I cried. First time in my whole life I've ever been held. Actually, I've been held by one other person while I've cried. Um, And so I loved that feeling. Um, And they started saying, before I hold you while you cry, you need to ask for it. And me, I would much rather cry in a dark corner alone than ask for help, especially while I cried because I've been told since I was a kid that crying is a weakness. So I was like, oh, no, no, no then I will just sit in a corner and cry alone. And so I, I basically set that boundary with them. And I said, anytime I cry, please just hold me. I just want to be seen through my emotions. You don't even have to speak. If you just hold me, even if we're in an argument, and if you are able to be there for me and you want to hear me, just hold me in the silence and I will be so much more open to you because physical vulnerability is such a big thing for me. Um, and so I began being able to hold others while they cried too. For a while, that made me so uncomfortable. People would cry around me and they like kind of, you know, cry like around me and crying doesn't make me uncomfortable, but the feeling of having me holding somebody else when I'd never been held while I cried made me want to rip my skin off. And so now I love holding people when they cry because people have held me while I've cried. I was in this like, loving circle was um in the past tense where I I'm craving sisterhood so much like this right now um which is funny because I'm not really friends with any of these people anymore um but the time well it was spent was well and I remember breaking down crying and them all like one person was doing Reiki on me one person was doing like these wooden shells and like floating them across my body and another person was making like sounds and like imagining like all the energy falling off of me and I was just crying and then they all held me and I was like oh my god this is sisterhood it's incredibly deeply intensely beautiful and so anyhow I don't remember where I was going to share that but um that that level of physical vulnerability is out there and so I was in a connection with somebody else and they began crying and I immediately I did ask I said do you want to be held but that was the thing is I needed them to want to be held because when I asked them they're like no I'm embarrassed for you to hold me while I cry and I said oh no 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 and so I broke that barrier between us and I insisted saying it's okay I'm sure you've never been held while you've or you've cried before, I want to be that person. I felt it was my duty to heal them. And although I would never take back holding them while they cried, I absolutely loved doing it. It was not my job. I felt like a healer. And that put me in a weird position um, of such. Um, and so it wasn't for me, metaphorically, to offer them a tissue unless they asked for a tissue. They really, really wanted a hug they would have been more persistent on saying yes rather than kind of um, being like, no, I'm embarrassed, no, I'm embarrassed. They would have been like, yes, I do want a hug when I asked the first time. And so me being kind of persistent, letting them know that it is safe was me offering them a tissue when I should have just met them in their vulnerability and allowed them to cry and allowed that space to just be there. I didn't have to judge them. We could have just simply sat in silence while they cried. And if they wanted me to hold them, they could have gotten close to me and cried. Um, and then I could have been like, do you want a hug? And they could have been like, yeah. 
And so that is the analogy of not offering a tissue when somebody cries. Because we, the first thing in society that we've been taught is to wipe away the thing that makes us look emotionally too out there. Like crying is deemed as such a bad thing in society. And so as soon as somebody cries, we offer them a tissue because we don't want to see it. I also spent time with somebody and I did love this. I cried and I started wiping away my tears because I was embarrassed. This is when I was first learning how to cry in front of people. Um, And they're like, no, don't wipe away your tears. Just let them sit there. It's magic. Like, just feel those tears on your face. And then after that, I wrote a poem about, I want to take my tears and smear them on your face and have you use them as war paint. And ever since that, I deeply love tears. If I see somebody tearing up, I'm not going to directly stare at them and make them uncomfortable, but I'm going to acknowledge it and I'm just going to offer space to them. When people cry now, it makes me smile. And that sounds very contradicting for the way that we've seen crying in society. But I one time had somebody completely have a full-on blown child tantrum as a 19-year-old in my arms and I smiled through the whole thing because I saw the deepest part of emotional vulnerability right now. I saw this person in their child form. And again, it wasn't my need to heal anybody as the way that I felt I needed to heal this person. Not out of pity, but just it felt like my duty to do so because that's the way that I felt I've had to raise myself. Um, And so, yeah. Um, it's, It's incredibly beautiful to just allow physical vulnerable intimacy. Um, and the next point I want to make is you raised yourself. I want you to know that. Yes, you had guidance from other people, these things called parents um, and adults in your life, but you raised yourself. You were the only thing that could actually get into your head. And so, yes, these people taught you these things, but you taught yourself a lot of things and most things out of survival instincts. And so we can't, we can't blame anybody else excuse me, we can take these situations to our our parents and say, hey, you did this thing when I was a kid and it really made some trauma in my life now. I acknowledge that my accountability part is I decided to cope in these ways out of survivability. And you did this thing because I'm not sure why, but I want to talk about it. And so I always triggered my parents whenever I was like, you did this thing wrong. And they're like, well, you're not going to take accountability, so you're playing the victim. And I was like, I never understood. I was like, I was just a child. But now realizing it is we can't just blame somebody else for the pain that they've caused. We also did things out of survival instincts. So the way that we formed things in our brain, of course, is out of survivability, out of their shitty behavior. And we did those things out of surviving and so we enforce those things for ourselves and so we need to thank ourselves and that creates gratitude for ourselves I don't know if any of that makes any sense but in my head it's just like a big light bulb um I did so much good for myself with creating so many survival instincts for myself in ways people will never understand and I could bring them up to them and they'll say I don't get it because they haven't been through the exact same trauma that I have, or that Susie down the road does, or that Tommy up the street does. Um, and so, yeah, is it saying that, God damn, yeah, I created survival instincts for myself. I fucking did that shit, and somebody else hurt me. But look, 
Look at the protection that I gave myself. Look at the armor I gave myself. And though I'm so callous now, I now recognize the gratitude that I have towards myself that I made it through. Nobody else did that for me except me. I made it through for myself because most of us, we really just raised ourselves. Again, nobody could crawl inside of our heads and say, this is the way you should act. We taught ourselves how to do things because if in some other alien world, babies weren't born with parents or they were stripped away from their parents, they would have to, or babies can't survive without parents. Uh, I think at the age of anything seven below or nine below, they cannot live alone. I think it's seven below. Um, but as soon as you turn like eight and up, you can technically live on your own. No child should ever, of course, go through that because humans are designed for companionship, um, especially in a, in a family way. Um, but yeah. So that's another little piece that I kind of just got clicked in my in my noggin. Um, what else? The way somebody responds to you has nothing to do with you as well. Um, and that's something I have to just realize myself is that when I respond to somebody and I realize I did a shitty a shitty thing, it's I realized that it was nothing anything to do with them. It just had to do with Something like that had happened before and I had to survive in the way that I had to survive. And so I did the exact same thing. And so forgiving others as well for their immediate reaction. Now that takes a lot of emotional intelligence to break down and to say, and you don't, okay, there's a certain, somebody does that once and says, sorry, they said they're going to change and they don't do it again. That's one thing. When you ask somebody to not do it repetitively, that's abuse. Um, so there is a fine line there that I want to make people aware of. But when somebody has an immediate reaction towards you, and this does not account for physical abuse, or even abuse in general does not account for because that's abuse. But if somebody does something, like for me, my biggest thing is acknowledgement. And when somebody doesn't acknowledge me and it starts to really build up, the first time they don't acknowledge me, I'll be like, okay. They're in a really busy moment. I'm not going to, you know, speak up right now because I'm going to give them another try. And the second or third time that they do it, I'll bring it up to them. And if they say, oh, my God, I had no awareness that I was doing that. I apologize. I will not do that again. I will be more aware. That is different. But if you bring it up to somebody and have to continually bring it up to them again and again and again saying, I need more acknowledgement. Okay, I'll do better next time. Well, you're still not giving me acknowledgement. I need you to really work on it. Don't you worry, I'm going to work on it. I need you to acknowledge me, please. I'm like begging you at this point. I am acknowledging you. What do you mean? That's where the gaslighting begins. The gaslighting happened at the at the third time when you thought that they would change. Um, and so that is different as well. Um. And so, yeah, it has everything to do with when somebody's initial reaction, when we get into an argument, also leave room for forgiveness, leave some room for compassion, some spaciousness, and some mindfulness, where when you're in an argument with somebody, you see them literally as a child. You see them at the rawest point where their parents 
did things to survive and they acted towards the kids and so the kids had to act the way towards their parents and survivability as well and so it was often not in nice ways of communicating I don't know any child and parent that have a good relationship with communicating growing up now I see them on TikTok where it's like these parents sing affirmations to their kids and I've seen some people literally have like great communication with their kids where they the parents get down on their knees and they ask how can I understand you I see you're crying and they'll say can you give me a hug and they'll say yeah and then the parent will pull away and say do you forgive me I'm sorry and they'll say yes the kid just wanted some acknowledgement um and that's the only place I've actually seen a healthy communication between a child and a parent um but yeah for you to say that you're the only one that's going through this thing is to really make a selfish act to say that nobody has a nobody has trauma just like me I am different than everybody else somebody out there has trauma just like you and neither of you are coping in any better or worse ways you just are coping in ways that maybe are a little bit more emotionally intelligent than another person but the other person will eventually learn Um, And so you are not alone in anything you've been through. Um, We are all unique humans, but also within that, a lot of us have shared some kind of default trauma. Like, it goes through generations. I know that a lot of the boomers that are, like, my parents and my other friends' parents who have boomer parents as well, or right below that, they share a very, very particular parenting style because their parents taught them something that they didn't want to learn, so they re-taught themselves how to parent in ways that, we don't learn or we don't like and so we want to relearn ways of parenting ways um and so yeah it passes down through generations so i might end the podcast episode there that was a great ass episode i'm seeing if there's anything else i want to do um but yeah you only live once and or at least to my knowledge as as this this far um, and that you can try your best to try to get a grasp on everything you're going to do in the next month. But really, everything's going to change based on what the universe wants to provide for you. And so I've stopped trying to make plans. Um, you know, I, I do make plans where I'm like, okay, next week, do you want to hang out? And they're like, yeah. Uh, on Friday, do you want to hang out? It's like, yeah. But like, stop trying to plan out the next year of your whole life. Okay, you look for the seeds and see the way that things unfold for you. Um, so yeah, but anyhow, I love you and I appreciate you and be looking out for love and seeds everywhere. Um, yeah, sending you a big forehead kiss and a bear hug and I'll talk to you when I talk to you.